Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Let's encourage one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs.
together at the greatness of God. He is worthy of our praise. There is indeed none like him.
Well, welcome everyone. Here at Hebron Baptist Church, we exist so that we can help folks take their next step with Jesus Christ. Some of you may be here today having not taken your first step with Jesus Christ. May today be the day you do so, that you would turn from your life of sin and follow Christ the rest of your life. Okay. Some of you may need to take your next step with Christ. And so for that, we've got two QR codes on the back of the pews. Those are those pixelated black and white things. All you have to do is pull out your cell phone and turn the camera app on, hold the camera app hovering over it. Uh, one QR code is for our Connect card. So if you are a guest with us and want to take your next step with Christ, learn more about the church, learn about our D groups or our life groups, please click that Connect card. The, the other one is for the members. That QR code is for giving. Okay, so let's put that one to use. Okay, we've got, we've got some time later in the service for you to, to do that if you do not want to put money into the plate. Um, if you want to do both, please do. Thank you. Um, but this morning, I would like to begin with a prayer. And we've got many things the church to be praying for. So if you would, bow your heads with me and let us pray. Lord, as, as we come before you undeserving and grateful, thankful for the many blessings that you've given us, I pray, Lord, that you would instill in us a desire to be sacrificial givers, that we would be grateful to, to pass along what you have provided to us so that we may see it work in your kingdom to the ends of the earth. Uh, Lord, as we think about the, the ends of the earth and the mission going forward, uh, I want to pray for our brothers and sisters at Redeeming Life Church out in Utah. Uh, Lord, we're grateful. We're thankful for that young man that gave his life and surrendered his life to you um, at, at the expense of losing his family. Uh, but I pray that that story would not end there. I pray that his family would be saved as a result of it. I pray that, that you would take that testimony and it would just send shockwaves through the neighborhoods and, and the area uh, that Redeeming Life Church is ministering to. Um, and Lord, as, as, as we look further west, I pray, God, for our brothers and sisters at Lahaina Baptist Church and uh, the, the suffering that that community is in right now uh, as a result of the, the hurricanes and the fires. Uh, God, you are a, a, a God that is sovereign over every aspect of this situation, and I pray that you would encourage and embolden and provide to those brothers and sisters that they may be a gospel witness to everyone on that island. Lord, in your glory, would just reach that community. Uh, Lord, I, I, I pray for, for those brothers and sisters here today and, and uh, that couldn't make it today that, that are preparing to go back to school, uh, whether it be uh, homeschool or, or uh, teachers that are preparing rooms and final lessons plans that, 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 you, would, um, that you would both give them wisdom and energy that they may uh, go to the, the finish line, uh, but you would also give them perspective that they would see that this ministry that you've put them in is a, is a ministry to get your gospel to our communities. And Lord, I pray for our students that are going back, that you would protect them, protect them from evil, protect them from sin, uh, put the gospel on their lips that they may take it to your children. Lord, I confess today, I confess that, that in all of the, the, the excitement of, of all of the changes, Lord, that um, I am not as grateful as I should be. And Lord, I pray that you would help me 
you are the giver of all good things and that, that even when we see suffering and pain around us, Lord, that your hand and your plan is at work. And I pray that you would help me to trust in that. I pray that, that if there's any here today that are they're in the midst of, of suffering and, and they, they need your encouragement, Lord, that today would be a day for them to, to be grateful as well and to see that, that, that your giving of your son for our lives was just, was just a, a beginning, a first step for you, the giver of all good things, to bring us together in eternity to worship you. Lord, that we would use today to take our next step with Christ. In his name that we pray, amen. And then we've got some scripture reading. So if you would, look at Acts 3, 17 through 26, and we're going to read together a section of the Apostle Peter's sermon. So I'll read this to you. And now, brothers and sisters, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your leaders also did. In this way, God fulfilled what he had predicted through all of the prophets, that his Messiah would suffer. Therefore, repent and turn back, so that your sins may be wiped out that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus, who has been appointed for you as the Messiah. Heaven must receive him until the time of restoration of all things, which God spoke about through his holy prophets from the beginning. Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. You must listen to everything he tells you. And everyone who does not listen to that prophet will be completely cut off from the people. In addition... All the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those after him have also foretold these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your ancestors, saying to Abraham and all the families of the earth will be blessed through your offspring. God raised up his servant and sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your evil ways. Amen. And for those who wait on the Lord, seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Let's stand and sing together of that hope. Yes, I 
firm a foundation. How firm a foundation, you saints of the Lord, in faithful your faith, in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said, to you for refuge, to Jesus have fled. even as we hear from his word today. You may be seated. Good morning, church. It's good to see your faces this morning. Uh, today is a special day as we'll be all in on life groups today. Our focus today 
and this afternoon at 4 o'clock is on our life groups and being in life together. And so I invited my friend, a friend that we've had several times here at Hebron Baptist Church, but it's actually been since pre-COVID, and we know that that, that year counts as twice. So it's been uh, it's been long time since Doug's been here. Doug uh, was the pastor for the Seuss's before they moved up here to northern Kentucky, and he's gone on to serve at the Kentucky Baptist Convention as mission strategist. Uh, I have the privilege of serving on the mission board again. I've served there twice, and I get to hear all that they are doing, and they just put out a great resource for the Great Commission. Mark was talking about how he loved it, and uh, we hope to get our hands on it and to, uh, to use it here, and so we're really thankful for that. Doug's coming this morning to open the word. He's a great expositor, a great preacher, and he's come to tell us how we use groups and how God has given us a mission to accomplish together. So would you welcome Brother Doug Williams this morning? church. Again, I'm excited to be with you. Let me invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to look at a familiar passage. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's page 886, I do believe. Matthew chapter 28. This is a familiar chapter. We know it and refer to it affectionately as the Great Commission. Matthew 28. If you're able to, let me invite you to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter 28, we're going to begin in verse number 1. Matthew 28, verse number 1. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Matthew records these words for us. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to, the, to view the tomb. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake... Because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his robe was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken from fear of him that they became like dead men. But the angel told the women, Do not be afraid, because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been resurrected, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has been raised from the dead. In fact, he is going ahead of you to Galilee, for you will see him there. Listen, I have told you. Verse 8 and the following of the rest of this chapter will be our focus. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. Just then, Jesus met them and said, Good morning. They came up, took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus told them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. 
as they were on their way, some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. After the priest had assembled with the elders and agreed on a plan, they, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money and told them, Say this, his disciples came during the night and stole him while we were sleeping. If this reaches the governor's ears, we will deal with him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did so as they were instructed. And this story has been spread among the Jews, the Jewish people to this day. The 11 disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Then Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. <clears throat> thank you for this church. Thank you that we could gather here this morning and sing your praises and offer our prayers and give of our offerings and hear your word proclaimed. We pray that your Holy Spirit would take your word and apply it to our hearts and that our lives would be transformed by the power of your gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. It was at 1140 p.m. on April the 15th, 1912, that the mighty Titanic struck an iceberg while on its maiden voyage. The pre-launch voyage consensus was of this ship, she is unsinkable. Oddly enough, while the ship began to sink, the band, Pastor Mark, continued to play. And the gymnasium instructors were assisting passengers on the mechanical exercise equipment. While some no doubt panicked, not knowing what to do, there were others that went about as if everything was normal. The same is true today. Some live their lives not knowing what to do. All around this community and all throughout northern Kentucky, this nation and the world, people are traveling their lives assuming that all is good and there's no danger, no imminent danger at hand. Today, a sea of people swim all around us, some four million plus in this commonwealth of Kentucky. North America? Well, the sea is well over 579 million people. When you think about the world as a whole, the sea is quite large, some 7.8 billion people. And yet, statistics tell us those that study lostness and whether or not people know who Jesus is, that well over 4.5 billion people are unreached by the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, the answer for the world is really quite simple. The answer for the world and the answer for Hebron, the answer for this community is Jesus Christ alone, and he wants to use the church to make that known. In fact, we could say that the goal of Matthew chapter 28, specifically verses 16 through 20 that we affectionately refer to as the Great Commission, 
is about making disciples of Jesus locally and globally for the glory of God. In other words, as I meet with churches all over Kentucky and as I share with churches about what it means for your church to live on mission, every single church that has ever been or that ever will be has the exact same mission. And that mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ locally and globally. What Jesus gives us here is really not up for negotiation. We're not to form a committee and talk about whether or not we should do this. The reality is this. Jesus is giving a command to his church to make disciples. Now the question is, are we going to be obedient to that command? And if we are, how might we carry out this command from our Lord? Therefore, Jesus' mission for the church, if we were to summarize Matthew 28, we can say it this way. Jesus' mission for the church is to make disciples locally and globally for the glory of God. In verses 8 through 10, very quickly as reminders that we just read, verses 8 through 10, our mission is to tell what we've seen and heard. That's what the ladies do, is they go to the tomb on that resurrection morning to continue or to finish the preparation of Jesus's body that had been buried quickly or in haste because of the approaching Sabbath now they are going to finish that procedure and they realize that he's not there in fact they're told by the angels that he has been resurrected just as he had told them and so they are told to go back they in fact verse 8 says that they are gripped with fear and great joy you ever been there where there's this excitement and fear and at the same time there's this joy it's just all mingled together and so they run and they tell the disciples the news they meet Jesus on the way and he tells them good morning don't be afraid go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and there they will see me you see the reality is this the first ones sent out by Jesus with this message of his resurrection were these ladies at the tomb that had gone to prepare his body and they send are sent, sent out by Jesus telling what they have seen and heard brothers and sisters that's the summary of what we're called to do as Christians to tell what we've seen and heard to tell others of the good news that you've received in your life that has transformed you and made you new but we also see this in verses 11 through 15 our mission is to tell what we have seen and heard even while many deny it you see we've we've been given a mission and the reality is this some people are going to reject the mission that we've been given some people are going to reject the truth that we've received from the word of God ultimately no one will believe no matter how persuasive we might be unless God works supernaturally in their hearts and opens their blinded eyes and so in verses 11 through 15 they go on their way and yet there are those that do not believe and there are those that are in opposition in fact the soldiers themselves tell the Roman authorities what happens and they said hey here's what you're to say and in case the word gets back to the governor we'll cover you but tell them this is what happened we can't have this message about Jesus and his resurrection spreading any further but then we come to our focus for this morning verses 16 through 20 and here's what we see our mission as disciples is to make disciples so we're 
Our mission is to tell what we've seen and heard. Our mission is to tell what we've seen and heard even while people doubt and oppose us. But yet, as Jesus meets with those disciples on that Galilean mountain, he tells them to make disciples who make disciples. In verses 16 and 17, it says, The disciples traveled to Galilee and the mountain where Jesus had directed them and when they saw him they worshiped him but some doubted our worship of Jesus and our doubts about Jesus and what he's up to in our lives often coexist hear me very carefully it is always right to worship Jesus regardless of the challenges and the struggles that are going on in our hearts regardless of the the doubts that might surface in our own lives it is always right to worship Jesus and so as they gather they are worshiping him and they're also doubting some of them are doubting we just saw him die now how is it that he's standing before us he's given us this message what are we to do with this and so they're perplexed they're they're struggling they're doubting they're wondering some of you've come here today and you came this morning with some doubts in your mind about what God is up to in your life brothers and sisters it is always right to gather here and to worship even in the midst of your struggles even in the midst of your doubts One day, as one pastor put it, missions will be no more. However, worship abides forever. Missions is a temporary necessity. We take the gospel of Jesus Christ into the community and among the nations as a temporary necessity. One day, missions will be no more. But until that day, we're to take this good news and tell people that Jesus Christ changes lives. As one pastor put it, worship is the goal and the fuel in missions. What is it that will fuel us? What is it that will propel us? What is it that will send us off of a launching pad for the sake of the gospel and for the fame of Jesus' name? What will do that? It's when the people of God gather corporately together and they pour out their hearts in song and they read the word and they pray the word and they hear the word proclaimed. That worshiping of the Lord is the fuel that God uses to ignite his people to go with the message of Jesus Christ. Psalm 97.1 says, The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Psalm 67, verse 3. Let the peoples praise thee, O God. Let all the peoples praise thee. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. We want the people of Hebron to sing for joy in Jesus. We want the people of London to sing for joy in Jesus. We want the people of Buenos Aires to sing for joy in Jesus. We want Kentucky to sing for joy in Jesus. And that will only happen as his church goes out with this mission. Worship is that fuel. As one pastor put it, we can never commend what we first do not cherish in our own hearts. Brothers and sisters, we will never leave these walls and commend Jesus to others if we first don't cherish him in our own hearts. How are we cultivating in our own hearts a love for Jesus? How are we ensuring that our hearts are fixed on Christ so that having hearts fixed on Christ, we will want to share his love with others? 
our commission comes to us through the authority of Jesus verse 18 Jesus says he's gathered with those 11 disciples on that mountain they're worshiping him and at the same time some of them are fearful and doubting and confused and they're not exactly sure what's going on but as they stand there on that mountain in verse 18 he says all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth our commission by Jesus comes from his authority think about that for a second the one who has all authority over all things the one who has all authority over all molecules and all mountains the one who has authority over all parasites and all peoples now don't call people a parasite I'm not saying that people are parasites but he has authority over all things think about that for a second the one who's asleep in the boat on the sea of Galilee kicked back taking a nap a storm comes his disciples are fearful now, now don't forget this several of his disciples were experienced sailors if you get a sailor scared of a storm on the sea you better pay attention that's like when I'm flying you ever flown and you hit turbulence and you hit some pockets and it drops and everybody goes <gasps> and you hear it throughout the plane let me give you some advice if the flight attendants don't seem worried don't worry but if you see them upset you better start praying that's the same thing with Jesus and his disciples on the Sea of Galilee Jesus is kicked back asleep and yet they're fearing for their lives and they're waking him up and they're like Jesus don't you care we're about to perish and what does Jesus do he just stands up and he says to the waves and the winds hush be still some of you wish you could do that for your kids and it would work but the reality is this Jesus has all authority hush be still and then don't forget this don't forget this it's at that moment that his disciples fall down and they're like who is this then that even the winds and the sea obey brothers and sisters he's the one with all authority he commands the winds and the waves he's the one that created the world as we know it he gives sight to the blind hearing to the deaf life to the dead earlier in the gospel of Matthew a mother is on a procession for her son's funeral funeral they're carrying the coffin and just so happens we know that's no happenstance but just so happens to come across Jesus and his disciples Jesus stops touches the coffin and tells him to get up and the son is raised from the dead can you imagine that mother and the joy she has as her son is brought back to her from death brothers and sisters it's this Jesus that has all authority over all things and he has said to each of you as a member of this church I have all authority therefore I've got a mission for you I've got a mission for you our mission verses 19 through 20 is clear here it is make disciples 
followers of Jesus. Making disciples is the imperative. It's the command of this passage. Our English translations often don't give us the, the, the emphasis that the original New Testament Greek language does. You can look at it and you can say, oh, this is the main verb here. This is not an English lesson, but the reality is this. As you look at it, you know, oh, this is the main verb. This is the, the force of what Jesus is saying. And what he's saying in all that he says in verses 19 and 20 is boiled down to this. Go make disciples. Make disciples. And then he tells them how to do it. Everything else, the going, the baptizing, and the teaching carries the force of this main verb, which is make disciples. In other words, these are not suggestions that Jesus is giving his 11 disciples on the mountain in Galilee. He's not saying, hey guys, I got a groovy idea. If you really want to consider this, this might be something you want to do when I'm gone. That's not what he's doing. He's saying, I'm commanding you to make disciples. Here's how you do it. By going, by baptizing, and by teaching. Now, before we break that down for just a few moments notice that he says I want you to do this among all nations I want you to make disciples of all nations in other words we can't make disciples of all nations if we're not intentionally engaging other nations that doesn't mean that Hebron Baptist Church can be everywhere all the time but it does mean that Hebron Baptist Church is to be intentional about making disciples not just right here but in other places too like London and Buenos Aires and other places that God sends you Salt Lake City Utah wherever it might be God is using you and sending you to be on mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ the idea of all nations in, in uh, verse 19 it seems to be that of, of people groups in other words, those of similar culture and language and ethnicity. God's heart from the very beginning was that all the peoples of the earth might know him and follow him and love him. The gospel is the reversal of the Tower of Babel. You remember Genesis chapter 11? The people want to make a name for themselves. And so they say, hey, we're going to build a tower up to the heavens and make a name for ourselves. So what does God do? He comes down and he confuses their language and he scatters them throughout the earth. Why? Why is that such a significant story? Because God doesn't create us to make a name for ourselves. God creates us and he ultimately saves us that we might make a name not for us but for him. Therefore, the gospel reverses what happened in Genesis chapter 11. The scattering of the nations now is the regathering of the nations through the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel brings back together people who were scattered because they wanted to make a name for themselves. And now they want to make a name for God. Jesus then explains how it is we make disciples. He says... In verse 19, go. Really, this word is, is the idea of going. Go therefore. Well, some would say, well, maybe some sophisticated folk would say, well, actually, pastor, what the word going means is as you're going about your life, make disciples. Well, that's true. Nobody's going to disagree with that. But the point is not just where you're at. 
if it was just where you're at, why would he say of all nations? So the point, the thrust, the, the emphasis, remember, attached to the verb make disciples, go. Go with the message of Jesus. Yes, in this community, but don't stop here. Go where the gospel is not. It's got to be gospel-centered, who Jesus is and what he did. We're about telling people the message of who Jesus is and what he did. The force is go with the good news. So we evangelize. Well, what is evangelism? How do we do evangelism? What is it? Evangelism is compassionately and faithfully sharing or sowing the good news of Jesus Christ with passion. All the while trusting God for growth. So that individuals will turn from their sin and their self in repentance and faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord. So that they might be lifelong radical followers of Jesus. William Tyndall, a guy who lived a long time ago, said this about the word gospel. He said the gospel signifies a good Merry, glad, and joyful tiding that maketh a man's heart glad and maketh him sing and dance and leap for joy. I'm afraid often that the problem that we find is we don't seem to indicate with our lives and our words that the gospel indeed is joyful. It does make us glad. It does make us merry. So we go by sharing the good news of Jesus. But we go also, not only in this community, but we might use a word that we are familiar with, but we go for the sake of the mission. Missions. What is missions? Well, missions is intentionally making disciples of Jesus among peoples and places where he's not known. This often means that we cross cultures and languages and geographical boundaries or barriers. Missions is strategically and intentionally fulfilling the call of Jesus to make disciples among all nations. That's going to look different from church to church, and quite frankly, it's going to look different for each church member within each church. But each of us has a part to play in carrying out this great commission. So he says, go with the good news. But then he says, baptizing them. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What is baptism? Baptism is bringing the invisible church into the visible church. Because baptism is something we see outwardly of a reality that has happened inwardly. It's our public identification as a follower of Jesus Christ. We publicly declare that our old way of life is gone. It's broken. It's severed. And we're now united with Jesus Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection. So baptism connects us with the local church. It's where the church becomes visible. And notice that it's in the singular name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God known in three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we make disciples how do we do that we go sharing the good news of jesus when people believe and they will what do we do we baptize them now we're baptists and we baptize by fully immersing them all the way underwater and bringing them up why because it signifies their old life has been buried with christ and their new life has been raised with christ and in a 
identifies them and brings them into a local church where they can be held accountable they can be taught the word of god that's why jesus says the third thing teaching them to observe all that i've commanded you you see teaching the goal is to make disciples followers of jesus not simply those that have a lot of information about jesus but followers of jesus What's a follower of Jesus? A follower of Jesus is a lifelong, radical, reproducing disciple of Jesus. It's one who is a learner. And, and you do this every single week as you gather here corporately to hear the word preached, to hear the word sung, to hear the word observed through baptism and the Lord's Supper, to hear the word uh, read. You come here together corporately for that purpose. But can I submit to you that that's not the only way in which God intends for his people to be discipled? It's not just the corporate gathering. That's valuable. And we can't do away with that. We have to have that. And if anything that COVID taught us was we need the corporate gathering of the people of God that we might grow together. It's not simply teaching that we might know more about Jesus. What does he say? Teaching that we might observe, that we might do, that we might be obedient. In other words, it's teaching that transforms and not simply teaching that gives us more knowledge. It's not about a program, it's about people. It's about relationships. It's about investing in, in relationships. If we were to study the Gospel of Matthew, we would see that Jesus has a pattern for making disciples. We could describe it this way. And here are some examples. You might want to write this down. Read it later. In chapters 5 through 7 of the Gospel of Matthew, we find Jesus mentoring his disciples. He's teaching them. He does that throughout the Gospel, but that's a concentrated place where he does this. Greatest sermon ever preached. Matthew chapter 5 through 7, a sermon on the mount. He's mentoring them. He's teaching them. And then in chapters 8 and 9 of Matthew, he's modeling for them. He's not just teaching them, now he's showing them how to put into practice the things that he's been teaching them. He serves, he ministers, he interacts with the people, he, he rolls up his sleeves, if you will, he gets his hands dirty, he serves the people. He's modeling for his disciples how to be a disciple, how to live out the gospel. And then in chapter 10, he multiplies. So he mentors, he teaches, he models, he shows, and then he multiplies. He sends them out to now go do what he's been teaching them to do. That's Jesus' pattern of disciple making. And the best way for that to happen is in small gatherings of people. Your church is about to launch your, your small groups, your life groups, so that you might be able to teach the word of God together. You might be able to interact together, but you also might be able to go out and serve in this community. What a beautiful model that Jesus gives us that you as a church are now trying to... Uh, implement and say you know what it's about yes let's gather here for the corporate gathering but that's not sufficient we need our lives invested in one another linked with one another getting to know one another so that we might hear the word of God together then go out and serve together and then multiply our lives for others and then at the end of verse 20 we see this that the promise is certain the promise is certain as we do this so if you're debating back and forth whether or not to get involved in a, a life group or even, even more intimate setting, a, a, a D group in this church, let me encourage you to, to pray no more. Pray no more. Get involved in that. You need that. Brothers and sisters, I need that. 
I need that for my own soul. I need other brothers and sisters speaking into my life and encouraging me and praying for me and holding me accountable to the things of the gospel. We need this for our own good. And he says, when you do this, there is a certain promise that comes with it. Look at the end of verse 20. Teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you and remembering I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, we love that part. Jesus is with us always. And we hang on to that and we put it on T-shirts and we put it on plaques and I'm all for that. That's good. That's great. But remember the context in which he tells us this. Context is king. Right? We can pull stuff out of context all the time and it'd be way off. But context is king. What he's saying in the context here is as you make disciples, going with the good news of Jesus Christ, baptizing those that believe, bringing them into the local church, and then teaching them, not just in the corporate gathering, but in these small gatherings together, for this church, call them life groups and D groups, but gathering together to do that, Jesus promises his presence in the midst of that kind of disciple making. The promise of Jesus' presence and the promise of his blessing come as we make disciples locally and globally. You want the hand of Jesus on this church? You want the blessing of Jesus on this church? Make disciples. You're going to have times where you, you say, you know what, we need to do this different. We need to tweak that. That's not the point. Everybody goes through that. There's going to be growing pains. There's going to be adjustments. But the reality is this. Jesus will bless that kind of effort. How do you know that, Doug? Because he says in his word, I will be with you until the very end of time. Until I come again, I will bless the church that is intentional about making disciples of Jesus. I'm going to close with this. One of my favorite missionaries is a man by the name of William Carey. Some of you know about William Carey. Maybe you've read about him. He lived in the late 1700s. He was a cobbler uh, back in the day. Sean, I love cobbler. I love, I love blackberry cobbler. I love peach cobbler. I love blackberry cobbler. I love apple cobbler. I love blackberry cobbler. I love cobbler when it comes out of the oven. I mean, it's steaming hot. Mike, you're following me, aren't you? It's steaming hot. And then, because I'm Baptist, I'm going to take some vanilla bean speck ice cream. And I'm going to baptize that blackberry cobbler. Full immersion. The whole thing. In ice cream. And I'm going to enjoy that blackberry cobbler with baptized ice cream. William Carey was not that kind of cobbler. <laughs> Sometimes, y'all bear with me. Sometimes stuff just, whew. And... and and the reality is this, he worked on shoes. And while he worked on shoes, Pastor, he, he studied the maps of the world in his day. And God began to burden his heart for unreached people. He stood up in a business meeting one time, a Baptist business meeting, and he said, brothers, we need to take the gospel to the heathen, to, to unbelievers. Another gentleman stood up and he said, now, William, if God were to convert the heathen, that's my English accent, he will do it without your help or mine. Hmm. To which William Carey said, <laughs> he would later write these words. 
This commission was as extensive as possible and laid them, the apostles, under obligation to disperse themselves into every country of the habitable globe and to preach to all inhabitants without exception or without limitation. Hebron Baptist Church, you have been given a great commission. And boy, is it ever great. And he has called you to make much of Jesus, not only in this community, but in places like London and Buenos Aires and Salt Lake City and wherever he might lead you. But he wants you to grow and mature not just in this corporate gathering but as you link arms together in life groups and D groups so that you might further spur one another on to follow Jesus no matter what comes your way because the reality is this it's dark out there and brothers and sisters we need one another to spur one another on as we make disciples as we follow Jesus together he's not intending that you live this life of Christ following in isolation he's intending that you live it in community let's be obedient and do that let's pray father we thank you for your word we were amazed that you would love us that you would save us that you would send your son Jesus to die for us that we might have life with you you could have left us in our sin but you chose to save us you chose by your grace to redeem us and because of that we have been given this wonderful privilege to live in community together to live out this christian life together to follow you jesus till you come again and you've intended that we do this as we gather corporately to worship you but also as we live in smaller settings together to live out this christian life to spur one another to correct one another to love one another to encourage one another god we need this in our lives we want to make disciples we want to be about disciple making help this body of believers and the elders that lead this church to to lead this body to do this well give us patience as we adjust and as we look at ways to do that best but lord we want to be about that so help this church to be faithful to you in this task to make disciples for your glory because ultimately it's not about our fame it's about yours until you come again in jesus name amen amen man well let's take this moment to stand and to make much of jesus loudly uh, to proclaim that we are going to make much of jesus no matter what and we're going to go out in the world and do that too Let's sing it out. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my soul. Worship his holy name. Sing like never before. Oh my soul. I'll worship your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning, it's time to sing your song again, whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening 
in trusting Jesus or your next steps in going on mission or being baptized or joining the church so we hope that you would consider what the Lord has called you to do today and I think what a great reminder that Doug gave us that the Lord is with us when we're on mission oftentimes we feel distant but I think it's often it's because we're apathetic or we're not joining him where he's at work and so we need to be reminded that we call each other to life groups even in our life groups we are more in the presence of God when we are praying for lost people and encourage one another in our sin uh, to flee from sin and 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 let's think about how uh, going from here the mission that we have been called to do that we do it together that will God will draw near to us what a great thing and a great promise to us a couple quick things as we close up. Uh, uh, first, uh, this is our all-in on life groups, a renewal and training. This is the renewal part, a reminder and encouragement. Uh, and to this afternoon at four o'clock, uh, we're asking and inviting people who are members of life groups, who want to be in part of life groups, leaders in life groups, or just want to come. We want you to come at four o'clock. Uh, as Darrell Wilson, who's part of KBC Discipleship Consultant, will be here. Um, there's an old cartoon I used to watch. I loved it. Darkwing Duck. Spinoff of uh, uh, DuckTales. Thank you. And there's a line in the opening song, when, whenever you're in trouble, you call DW. Well, we've called two DWs today, Doug Williams and Darrell Wilson later. They say that the DW twins or something, he, that's what Darrell was telling me. And he's, we're, we're getting a DW one-two punch today. So today at 4 o'clock, come see the other DW, uh, and we're going to talk about how we can be uh, even more encouraged in our life groups. Uh, and we ask you to bring an appetizer uh, to share, kind of modeling our life groups and what we do together. So it's from 4 to 6 today. Um, also, uh, as we think and pray about this, next Sunday will be our launch for life groups and our D groups. Uh, so next week, just so that you know, we'll have our life groups will be around. You can uh, join them. You can find out when they're meeting. You can talk to them. Uh, and then they will start that week or, or right thereafter. And then our D groups will, will learn how you can be connected to a D group next week. So uh, so all this is, is, is our opportunity to launch and get on God's mission, mission together to make disciples. And so uh, we're excited about all, all these opportunities. Also next Sunday, so it's, next Sunday is a huge Sunday. Not only do we have that in the morning, but we have back to school bash that evening or that afternoon. And so please invite your neighbors, your friends. We're, we're getting word out to the schools this week and their first days of school uh, we're inviting kids and teenagers to come. We're going to have activities. 
hot dogs, all sorts of different things, and Dreamy Whip. So you want to, don't want to miss the Dreamy Whip on Sunday as well. And so we're excited about uh, that. And then uh, one thing, if you are interested in using your gifts and talents in our music ministry, we need those. Di- what a wonderful blessing of ministry today was. But if you want to sing and be a part of the choir, that's starting up. Now, the bulletin says this week, but we're not going to start this week because school starts this week. Those rehearsals will start the next week. So next Wednesday, not this Wednesday, next Wednesday, okay? We hope that you'll come be part of that. Now, one more announcement. Steve, our chairman of deacons, has an announcement he'd like to share with us this morning. Thank you, Pastor. Speaking of using your talents, we need you. You probably saw the the announcement in your bulletin. We need you in the children's ministry. Uh, Earlier, a couple of months ago, we announced and said we needed four. We don't need four. We need three. So thankful to the to the person who decided to volunteer and use their talents. Um, if you what what you need to do uh, is you need to see myself or uh, Miss Christy Reed in the back. And what you will be doing is watching kids in the elementary age. So if you want to know what's going on in families across the the, uh, uh, the congregation, come watch some kids. You'll learn some stuff uh, about that. So uh, if but at any rate, so see myself or Christy Reed. Uh, if, if you would like to volunteer, use your talents. It's a great and a wonderful opportunity to do that, uh, to, to help minister and to help shape the lives of these people. Uh, one thing that I have learned since being a member here at Hebron is uh, I love being called Mr. Steve. Uh, you know, from these little guys on up, even to this day, some of these kids call, run up and call me Mr. Steve. And I love that. That brings joy to my heart. And that was because I volunteered in, in the children's ministry. So do something like that. Uh, you could become a, a Mr. Jim, uh, or you could become a Miss Heidi, uh, and have a, a child run up to you, give you a hug on the leg, uh, and say thank you, you know, for for being who you are and giving of your talents uh, and giving of your time to the children's ministry of this church. People, that is an incredible opportunity, uh, and I would rank the children's ministry as one of the key ministries we have here at Hebrew Baptist Church. So please come support that. See myself or Christy uh, for details. Thank you, Steve. A great reminder for all of us. Satan wants to destroy our kids. And we have the opportunity to put the gospel in their hearts here at Hebron Baptist Church. We have the opportunity to serve them, love them, care for them, show them Jesus. You are doing gospel work when you are working with our kids. So I hope that those three people will step forward this morning or go tell Miss Christie because we have a work and we need to be praying for our kids this week as they start back to school. And we know that they, uh, kids, students, God's going to be with you as you go take the name of Jesus to your schools. God's with you. God, you are big, you are strong, you are brave because God fights your battles. And if you go with the word of Jesus, what difference you will make in your schools. We love you. All of you kids, we're praying for you this this school year. And we want to love you here at Hebron Baptist Church. Well, one of our final acts of worship is that we will worship as we give. Uh, As was explained earlier by Pastor Derek, that you can do so electronically on the scan QR code there in front of you or on the screen. 
or you may give in the plate that's going to be passed. So let's pray as the Lord uh, gives us opportunity. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to give. Uh, Lord, the money that we give today and every week goes to fund missions throughout the world, to fund a community outreach like our back-to-school bash so that kids might uh, know that church is a place that cares for them and is a place that loves them. We pray uh, for, uh, this, uh, for this offering that it might be multiplied, but that, God, you would change hearts uh, by helping us be obedient to giving. So, Lord, as we do so, this is a reflection of our thankfulness to you and an act of worship for all that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Come set your rule in our hearts again. Increase in us, we Let's sing.
Y'all have a great week.